What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships. Hello and welcome to Intelligence Squared, where great minds meet. I'm producer Faye Adabita. We've got something a little different for you today for a bonus episode of the podcast. It's a selection of highlights from a great conversation we worked on with none other than the acclaimed and much-loved broadcaster and documentary maker, Louis Theroux. It was a wide-ranging discussion touching on subjects including Louis' approach to his filmmaking craft, how he's shaped his career, and his thoughts on topics such as money and fame. This event was part of the Futureverse, our series in partnership with Ytree. Ytree combines data, technology, and human experience to provide a layer of intelligence over your financial life. Find out more at y-tree.com. Now let's dive into a few of our favorite bits. Here's Ytree's Harriet Johnston with more. Well, hello, everyone. Um, I'm Harriet Johnston, and I'm delighted to welcome you to this Ytree Futureverse event here at the McLaren Technology Centre. The Futureverse is where Ytree brings together ideas, conversations, and insights around our vision to build a world where wealth is defined by how you live, not what you own. Recently, we've been thinking about something we call the conformity crisis. In our current society, it feels like we're finding it harder than ever to have open conversations, as our fear of getting things wrong grows. So today, we're talking to someone who has extensive experience in having difficult conversations. Louis Theroux, let's begin. Your career has been at heart about having great conversations with an extraordinary range of people. So why is it important to talk to everybody, even and maybe particularly people we might not find it easy to love? The first thing I have to acknowledge uh, is that I do my job not out of a sense of social obligation, not in order to make the world a better place, but because I love doing it. And I have a natural inclination to go to places where people think differently than I do, and especially where that involves some kind of moral quality that I find questionable. People who I used to call weird, like weird weekends, I don't love the word weird, First of all, it feels judgmental. Second of all, it feels inexact. Like one man's weird is another person's completely normal, right? Weirdness True. is to some extent in the eyes of the beholder. Nevertheless, the people I speak to are quite weird. And um, I know, a little contradictory. But I think, and I think what it has to do with is, is a sort of sense of um, them being either loggerheads with the wider world by violating so certain social norms. They w work in industries like the sex industry or they're involved in extremism or, or, or religious groups that feel like they're on the edge of society. They, they're apocalyptic in their thinking. And 
or they're at loggerheads with themselves because of choices they've made. So in some sort of sense of social angst. The, qu the question was, why do I think it's important to do that? Because after the fact, having done it, having done it because I enjoy doing it, I've realized there's real value in it. And I think it, it, what it comes down to is about is challenging patterns of behavior that you may have, mm -hmm. thinking about the world in a different way. I mean, for me, a lot of the pleasure of it is just actually reminding myself that my life, as complicated and, and sort of fraught as it seems at times, is less complicated and fraught than the people I'm among. But I also think that in practicing habits of tolerance, of listening, of understanding, you can open up the world to a different way of thinking. And that, you know, that we can all, and, the, and these qualities that you can, that you can think about things in a different way, you can connect in unlikely ways with people who you might think have nothing in common with you. And, and thereby the world seems a friendlier place. The, what I sometimes say, if I can put it in a nutshell, is the weirdest thing about weird people is how normal they are. <laughs> and that wherever you go, wherever, whatever extreme it may be, whether physically or in terms of ideology, you'll be more surprised by the commonalities you find than by the differences. So how much of that what we've just talked about has influenced, do you think, the way that you approach conversation and what you look for from conversation? Because there's a lot, you've got the British and the American sensibilities, the ways of approaching people and conversing, yeah. how much, and the travel. Yes. And how much of that do you think you've brought into your work and your sphere of being? As much as I'd like to think that I have t techniques and that I, I'm kind of this brilliant, um, that I'm sort of brilliant at adopting strategies for connection. Really, I'm, I'm, I, a lot of what I do in so far as it connects with people is unsought, like is actually things that I come by by accident and are probably qualities that in another setting I might wish I didn't have. I actually think that my, it, certainly when I started, a certain insecurity, a certain sense of awkwardness, almost felt like d disarming. You know, and it wasn't like, oh, I'm not pretending to be awkward. You know, I wasn't deliberate. What I need is some glasses, like some ill-fitting um, clothes. Like, I'll, I'll make sure there's like a little bit of, you know, just rumple, like make sure my jeans are a bit rumpled. My shoes look a bit, you know, like they've seen better days. It was very much a case that I just had, I was just being who I was and that, and that was, you know, I didn't have a great wardrobe and I was really worried starting out when I worked for Michael Moore. I just thought, this is a nightmare. I've been given a network TV job on NBC in America you know, with no TV experience, it was, an, you know, I just thought, this is, this is a disaster. You know, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to make a complete fool of myself. And, and, and I was just, I was frightened. I was frightened. When I went on that first story that I did, which was about apocalyptic cults um, around, around the US, I just thought, how am I, this is, they've got the wrong guy. And, um, and I think in, but, but adventitiously, if that's a word, I'll look that up later, um, Adventitiously, uh, what turned out to be the case was those, those qualities that I thought were disabilities actually ended up softening people up. It's e it's, and, and, and you know, it's like by being a little awkward, it invites the person in a bit more. Anyway, I'm just trying to, you know what it is, realness. It's just by being a bit real. And, and, and I know that sounds really basic and probably banal, but by being a bit real and actually showing up and not making it like, how am I going to get the best out of this person? How am I going to close the sale? How am I going to... You actually just go in there thinking like, I really hope this person, you know, likes me. I hope this, per I hope this person... Um, if I, I hope I can kind of make this run smoothly and connect with this person. And, and, and that, that realness in, infuses every part of the conversation. 
So you've handled a lot of tricky, sensitive yes. topics. And here at Ytree, we focus on having open conversations about money, which could be considered probably one of the last taboo subjects that there is, especially in British culture. I'm yeah. not sure how different it is in American culture. So how easy do you find it to talk about money, yeah. how you spend it? And is that something that's come up in your career and I mean, conversations you've had? One of the most recent films I did in America was about the, the rap scene in Florida, where it's quite difficult to have a conversation that's not about money, <laughs> right? In fact, to carry a huge wedge of, 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 of dollars or like $100 bills like that and press it against your head is one of the cliches of the genre, right? You literally will have uh, jewelry around your wrist, around your neck, designed to advertise how much money you have, and a great icebreaker, should you find yourself in Fort Lauderdale or Miami interviewing a SoundCloud rapper or a gangster rapper, is, um, oh, I love your jewelry, like how much did it cost? And, and they'll be very happy to tell you, and the, you know, I was a you know, hundred Gs, I don't even know if Gs is the right term, forgive me for my slang. But, um, and the conversation will pr proceed very smoothly from there. And I think in America in general, probably, uh, the money conversation is less taboo, right? I think that it's interesting, but only up to a point. And I think it's interesting in so far as other people find it interesting. It's interesting, once you, you know, once you have enough money, right, then it becomes a source of relief. You have the freedom to not really worry so much anymore, right? To not worry about whether you're going to make your rent or be able to pay your bills. And, you know, there are decisions that then take place about how you make sure you don't lose your money, what you do with your money, what portion of that money you should be um, donating towards good causes and otherwise, how much you need to set aside for your family. All of those are very personal decisions and probably worthy of a program in its own right. And certainly like a, a, a responsible company that could advise you on how to make those decisions, that would be a brilliant <laughs> idea. But um, I think for me, for me, it's like it's a measure, and, and talk to Stuart after the presentation. Um, for me, it's about, uh, I, I'm interested in me metrics of, um, of, of, of how people consider what's important in life and, and metrics of, you know, what's interesting to me is like, if Nile Rogers says he has 500 million, but he's not happy, right? He seemed very happy, by the way. <laughs> and, 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 and stresses and the psychological issues that come along with, you know, positive and otherwise, that come along with the decisions that go with having a lot of money. Any more questions? Loads more. Okay, Katie. Hello. I'm a massive fan of yours. Oh, thank I'm very you. excited that you're here today. Um, you're obviously a fantastic listener, and um, I think we can all be guilty of, of not being great listeners in our day-to-day, -day, having things happening so quickly. So I'm wondering if you've got any advice, and you make it seem so effortless, on how to listen better and how to absorb information from kind of different characters. I, you know, so my tip for listening, we were talking a bit about this beforehand, is, is, is just to find some, something that you're interested in. But it's very hard for me to advise on that because there's a sense which it comes so naturally to me. Like, I just like hiding. I like the feeling of invisibility that you get when you're talking to someone and they're just downloading whatever's in their head. Does that make sense? And when I, again, this may be too much information, but... When I was growing up, my big worry was like, oh God, I don't think I'm very interesting because I don't have opinions about anything and I'd much rather listen to what other people have to say. And you know, that's changed as, as life has gone on, but I genuinely do find um, other people's perspectives fascinating and, and I do find that the world's such a strange and in many respects a lonely place and that by 
by finding someone and connecting with them and realizing that in unlikely ways you can, you just find, you just, sometimes it takes a little work, but with a little bit of digging, you find, oh, the person's recently gone through a divorce or they're bereaved or they were an orphan and they were adopted. And, and there's some fascinating part of life that you get to. And, and, and that you can learn from, and that makes you feel a little bit more at home in the world, really. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by myself, Faye Adabita, and edited by Tom Hall, in partnership with Ytree. To find out more, visit y-tree.com. You've been listening to Intelligent Squared, where great minds meet. What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships. Hold up. 